Hello, welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast, your weekly insight into the world of Formula One. There was any doubt about Lewis Hamilton's abilities in a Formula One car after last weekend. I think he well and truly put those doubts to bed at the uh, Styrian Grand Prix this weekend. Welcome to the uh, Grand Prix 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Will Dodds, and uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Stevens, the editor of the Grand Prix 24-7 website once again. Ben, it, it wasn't quite the, the carnage that we saw in the Austrian Grand Prix last weekend, but nonetheless, I think uh, an entertaining race. Absolutely. I mean, not every race is going to be as crazy as the week before where we had nine retirements, but you certainly can't complain when you have as much going on as that race did, even if it wasn't quite as action-packed throughout and there were a few sort of lulls in the action, so to speak. I think I think what they what they call it in the industry is a, it's a slow burn. But, uh, you know, I, I think after after what was one of the most entertaining qualifying sessions that I can remember, um, I think that we 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 kind of were, were happy to to watch like a, a, ra- a race that was uh you know had some good action but also potentially showed up some of the the kind of underlying issues that we hope that the uh 2022 now uh regulations can help solve so uh, just on to that qualifying session first obviously we had the torrential rain that saw uh fp3 cancelled and uh it looked kind of touch and go whether the session was actually going to go ahead, but uh, thankfully it did. And, you know, what a session that was. Uh, Lewis Hamilton taking pole by 1.2 seconds uh, and 1.5 seconds clear of his teammate. It was a tremendous performance and uh, really an example of Hamilton reaffirming why he is definitely one of the greatest drivers we've ever seen in the rain in particular. Ben, what, what did you make of, of Hamilton's performance, but also just that excellent qualifying session in general? Yeah, I mean, starting with that qualifying performance, it was absolutely out of this world. 1.2 seconds is just a ridiculous margin. And it's a sort of margin, you know, I obviously wasn't around for when Senna and Prost were doing it, but everyone would talk about, I think it was Monaco 89, maybe 88, where Senna was a second faster. And everyone, you know, and I heard that 20 years later, Senna faster than Prost by a second or whatever it was, and think, thought, wow. And I think in 20 years, people will be talking about this qualifying the performance the same way, just, you know, mind blown because what else can you say it's just on another level simple as that and then obviously on Sunday he just kept it going never looked in trouble managing the car probably the whole way to some degree they still sort of had the concerns not as bad as last week but still definitely had some concerns with the uh, the gearbox and the electrical noise and still you know Max wasn't able to get close to him Valtteri was never really close to him he just did the job yeah so Hats off to him. And it, it, it's disappointing, I think, from a, from a championship perspective, because when, when Bottas goes and, and puts it on pole in the first week, you think, you know, maybe this could be a bit of a battle. But it just shows that, you know, matching Hamilton's level week after week is just so hard. It doesn't seem Bottas has quite got it got it in him. Um, and I think this, this, this race kind of reaffirmed the point to me that, you know, when Hamilton's ahead at the first corner, if he makes it into turn one, unscathed and at the front it's just really difficult especially when he's when he's in a dominant car to ever see him getting beaten and I think Bottas really needs to make sure that if he if he's got any hopes he needs to be ahead of Hamilton going into turn one because otherwise you just don't see how he's gonna make up the gap um I think another performer there are a few performers who really stood out in, in qualifying two 
think uh, Espan Ocon getting fifth place, Carlos Sainz in third, um, and obviously Verstappen in second. You know, that last run of his was just perilous. You know, watching him losing the back three times coming out of turn four, and then eventually spinning after he kind of picks up a bit of spray off the back of Vettel's car. It was it was fantastic driving, and you know, I don't think that he was ever gonna beat Hamilton, but still, he gave it a mighty good effort, and I think that was a nice reminder of you know. He may not be in a car that can match a Mercedes this year, but Max is a, a serious talent still. Oh, he's absolutely a class act. There's no denying that. And as you say, the Mercedes is just on another level. So, you know, he did as best as he as he could, really. I mean, he was going to maybe get closer or definitely get closer if it wasn't for encountering Vettel coming into the pits on that final lap. I think would have. I think Corinne Chandock said on Twitter it was going to be like 0.7 seconds or something like that, the final gap. So... Better, <laughs> not much better, but better. And yeah, he's he, he's doing the best with what he's got. Uh, you really can't ask much more than that, can you? No, absolutely. And uh, I think that for me, I, I wrote this in my driver ratings, and it's something I think has gone a bit under the radar. But Alex Albon is just not on the pace, and it's this was the first weekend I think where that became something that maybe the wider Formula One watching public are kind of starting to realise, you know, he was way off in qualifying and way off in the race. And, and that's definitely a concern for Red Bull. But uh, just before we move on to the race, uh, I can't go without mentioning George Russell. Um, putting a Williams in, in 12th on the grid, starts 11th because Charles Leclerc gets, uh, gets a penalty. You know, absolutely unbelievable. He is a serious talent of a driver, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think I said in my piece that I wrote after Saturday... I've, I've kind of found it tough to assess George Russell just from the fact that he's always at the back of the grid. His teammates haven't been that great. But when you do something like that, the talent's just sort of obvious to see. You can't deny that, can you? Because that, that Williams, it's just simply not 12 fastest on the grid and he got it there, you know, fairly comfortably. He was just, he looked like that's where he belonged. And hopefully that's where he will be more often in the near future. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, less than a tenth off Q3. You know, absolutely. I think the person who comes out of this with most credit potentially is Robert Kubica, because now we're all like, you know, actually maybe you weren't doing t- such a bad job. You know, Robert. Uh, you know, Nicholas Latifi was second in in Formula Two last year, so maybe that's kind of the level that Kubica was on, which after what he went through was uh, pretty impressive. But let's let's move on to the race. Obviously, um, really exciting start. Uh, none of the the front runners got off kind of uh, had any trouble. Uh, Science did look like he might be pressuring uh, Max Verstappen going into turn one, but Verstappen held on. But it was further down the grid where all hell broke loose and Charles Leclerc came in with what you could only describe as an ambitious overtake up the inside of turn three, uh, sandwiching his teammate Sebastian Vettel. Uh, he couldn't move out any further because he had cars on his outside and basically Leclerc ends up kind of mounting the back of uh, of Vettel's car completely destroying his, his rear wing pretty much causing t- so much damage to both cars that neither of them could carry on I mean you know Ferrari hasn't had a bad start to the season anyway this was just a nightmare scenario uh, kind of harks back to the the Haas situation at Silverstone last year where they like just finish the race we need to data and then the drivers crash into each other on the first lap it's just you know Pinotto isn't doing a great job I think it's probably fair to say but he must have been absolutely fuming at, at Leclerc for, for just such a silly incident 
Yeah, well, I guess they say when it rains, it pours, right? And that was exactly what we saw on Sunday with Ferrari because it's obviously, it's one thing to do what Charles did and go down the inside into a gap that was never really there. But it's another thing for the car to bounce up off the curb onto your teammates' rear wing, completely destroying both cars and ruining your day. I mean, they just can't have any sort of break. It's 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 crazy. You, you, I mean, at least I feel sorry for them. They've obviously it's it's it, the problems with the car itself are largely of their own doing. And Charles deserves all the criticism he's getting for that incident. But like at the same time, it would have been nice if they could just have a day where something, generally speaking, went okay. Even if it's you know trundling around at the back of the points, at least getting in a glorified testing session, test the new aero parts those sort of things that they need, they can't even get those right now. It's just it's just brutal luck. If I'm Sebastian Vettel, I cannot wait till the end of this year. <laughs> I mean it's been a pretty been a pretty shit year anyway, you know, even by you know, any standard. And if I'm Sebastian Vettel, I just can't wait. And, you know, I think that the timing of Albon struggling, Vettel meeting with Dietrich Mashitz in in the uh, paddock, I I'm increasingly thinking that that story potentially has some legs but you know that's pure speculation and we'll we'll have to we'll have to see but uh you know Vettel back to Red Bull I'm not going to rule that out at this stage Um, really see I go the other I think that is madness I think there's absolutely no way you put Max Verstappen in the same team as Sebastian Vettel that's just a recipe for disaster as good as as good as obviously Sebastian would be an upgrade on what's currently in that second Red Bull seat but I just don't see how Vettel gets along with a firecracker like Max. Uh, I just think that's that's trouble. There's no there's no way that a four-time world champion comes in and says, yeah, I'm going to play second fiddle to uh, 23 or still 22, 22-year-old. You know, I think that's that's just asking too much of him. I'd love to see it from a, a entertainment point of view, of course. It'd be fantastic. Uh, but... I just think that's asking for trouble. I mean, obviously, like you, I've heard the rumours. I've, you know, he's been seen uh, talking to various people in the paddock. Matashitz has been very vocal and sort of saying, you know, we'd like to have him back. I think, but at the same time, Christian Horner shot that down pretty comprehensively on Friday in practice, didn't he? He said he, you know, he's, we're not, we're not looking at signing him. And I would assume that's the end of it. Although, of course, F1 words are one thing, actions are definitely another. I mean, the the, the thing is. I can see why why Horner and probably Verstappen don't want it to happen, but you know, I think Vettel, as much as we always say, you know, racing racing drivers are incredibly competitive, and they're not willing to admit that anyone's better than them. You know, I think Vettel un, Vettel surely understands that Max Verstappen is a brilliant driver, and if he is going back there, I think that he's probably learnt from his his situation with the club that you can't just keep crashing into your teammate. And to be honest, I don't think that Red Bull. Can be af- can afford to compromise on quality in their driving, um, in the driver's stakes. Like their car isn't good enough. They need the best two possible drivers they can possibly get in that car to try and bridge the gap to Mercedes. Because I'm sorry that they're not catching them. Even if they've got a better car, I don't see how they're winning a, a, a constructors championship with Albon in that in that second seat. I just don't think he's close enough. And you know when it comes down to strategy again today. Bottas was basically allowed to do what he wants because Albon was too far back. So I, I I agree with you. It has the potential for fireworks and I can see why they'd be wary. But uh, I, I'm just kind of 
I'm erring on the side of yeah, I'd be considering it if if I was Red Bull. But um, let's not get too too bogged down in, in Ferrari. I think that yeah, <laughs> that could be a podcast do to itself, to, couldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we'll let them kind of do that themselves. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of get get into the race, and once the kind of drama with the Ferraris has unfolded, I think the real story of the race is the charge through the field from the two racing points. Uh, Perez starting 17th on the grid, Lance Stroll starting 12th. Um, and the, the two of them cut through pretty nicely. Um, I thought that, you know, while Stroll eventually, you know, he came up short in the Battle of Perez and pulled what was pretty much a very rude move on Daniel Ricciardo kind of towards the end. I thought this was decent from Stroll and pretty impressive from Perez. Yeah, I think obviously that car is a front-running car. So in that respect, it's not surprising to see them move up the field, you know, considerably on race day. For whatever reason, they had some problems in, in the wet on Saturday that made that car look much worse than it was. But at the same time, as you say, they did they did sort of drive to the capabilities of their car, especially Sergio Perez, I thought. I thought Lance sort of did himself no favours with that move on Daniel, and I think you could make a fair, fairly decent case that it should have been penalised. I mean, he went off track to make the pass, but oh no, it was it was, it was definitely a penalty. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I'm just trying to be diplomatic, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure how that's not a penalty. To be honest, I'm not sure what the stewards are saying that we're not. Um, I'm hoping that someone asks Michael Massey. I'm sure they will in Hungary in a few days and we get an explanation for it. But uh, yeah, in terms of racing point in general, yeah, it, it's, they're a, a quality team. That car is controversy aside, which I'm sure we're about to get to a very good car. And yeah, they're uh, they're driving like they've got a good car. So fair play to them. Yeah, the, the thing that I can't help get away from is that you, you wonder if they had a real... Yeah, I think Perez is a very, very good driver. Um but you wonder if they had a had a Vettel or a Hamilton or a Verstappen or a Leclerc in that car, they wouldn't be qualifying 17th uh, on the grid. And I know it was wet, and I know they had tyre warm-up issues, but you know there are some drivers on the grid who would be getting that in the top five on qualifying regularly. And I don't think that Stroll certainly is is going to be able to uh, going to be able to deliver that. And as much as without, you know, without trying to sound like Sebastian Vettel's agent, that's another one that he's got to be looking at for next season. Uh, but yeah, I think that you, you touched What's on it. What's your number, Will? Put it out there just in case. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian, if, if you are listening, you know, just drop us an email, podcast at grandprix247.com and uh, we can we can talk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but I think you, you referenced it. We have the situation with now Renault have submitted, a, uh, submitted uh, an appeal to the FIA and Formula 1, uh, with regards to the brake ducts used on the racing point. Uh, they're basically saying that this was basically copied from Mercedes and this is like not an open source part. Um, and I, I'm not sure what the kind of exact uh, reference within the, within the regulations that they're kind of referring to. And at racing point seem pretty confident already that there's, there's nothing there. But, uh, you know, is this just Renault just being a little bit upset about what's what's kind of gone on in the race, or do you think they've got a legitimate claim here? No, I think this is just Renault being upset. This is just Cyril being Cyril, really. Because I think 
if there was a surely if there was a problem with the brake ducts, which is a fairly sort of visible component on the car to compare with last year's Mercedes, that would have come up when they had this factory visit. Uh, the FIA had this factory visit a few months ago, which Racing Point have said, you know, FIA came to the factory, looked everything over and said, okay. And, you know, you can go online right now and look at pictures of the brake duct from Mercedes last year to the Racing Point this year. And you can obviously see the similarities, but I think like the rest of the car, there's very sort of slight differences that get make, that would enable them to get away with any sort of allegations that they've been copying. So, yeah, I don't think this... I don't see how this comes to anything of significance. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I do think potentially it is an example of some pretty smart mind games from Renault. You know, they're fully aware that this is going to kind of drag on for a while now. Um, and Racing Point are going to have to deal with that. And they're going to be aware that basically if this is found... To, if they're kind of found to have had any wrongdoing, they're liable to losing some points. So, yeah, I think I think it, it's Cyril being Cyril, but also, you know, maybe this will kind of just throw a spanner in the works uh, for Racing Point 2. Um, so I guess kind of looking a little bit further down the order, we see, a, I think, a really impressive drive from Lando Norris. Uh, possibly, I think, a better drive than what he delivered last week. Um you know, starting ninth on the grid after a grid penalty, he showed some really excellent race pace, which I think was definitely his downfall last season when compared to Sainz. It was actually a bit roles reversed, you know, Sainz qualifying in third and kind of going backwards. I know he had a, a slow pit stop, but, you know, once he was kind of back towards where Lando was, you know, Norris outraced him and he passed him and then he went and caught up with the cars ahead of him and, you know, he got a bit of luck, but he finished fifth, you know, how impressed were you with with Lando Norris? Uh, you know both of these these two Austrian Grand Prix, but particularly this one, I thought um, because this wasn't reliant on a safety car or you know incidents and kind of just general attrition. This was just good racing uh, over a seventy one lap period. Yeah, I think it might come down to the fact that scenario seven is the new hammer time. Because he just sort of gets that sniff of sniff of blood. He's like a shark, you know, in the water. Gets that sniff of blood and then he just goes for it and, you know, goes to another level. And it was interesting because I was in the McLaren uh, virtual press conference after the race and Andreas Seidel was talking about this and how it's it's sort of... It's, it's McLaren's trump card that they have these two drivers, but particularly Lando, who can do things that are above what a midfield driver can do. And... As you say, it's a massive improvement on last season where he was, he wasn't bad in races, but he just wasn't as good as he was in qualifying. And it was sort of where Carlos Sainz distinguished himself. But this year, he just seems to have figured it out. And that's massively impressive, not just because, you know, it's hard to make massive leaps in F1, but you consider all the sort of disruptions he's had. He hasn't been in the car you know, for what, four months, three, three and a bit months. And obviously I did, I did an F3 test, uh, but nothing, you know, close to F1. So it's really just been, you know, sim racing, Twitch, dank memes. And that somehow got him to being a, like what, what, what basically based on current performances, probably a top five driver on the grid, which is kind of crazy to say, but I think that's where he is at least right now. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, and uh, you know, begs the question: if McLaren can keep up this form, 
they're genuinely on to finish potentially third in the constructors championship um you know ferrari have got a lot of work to do and you know with development going to be restricted going into next season as well you know mclaren are in a really good spot and the fact that they're putting a, a mercedes in the back of that car next year as well you know this is a pretty exciting time to be lando norris but also to be daniel ricardo and uh if I was Carlos Sainz, I would, uh, yeah, I would be maybe thinking that I could have waited. I, I know it's it's Ferrari, and you know, very few drivers say no to Ferrari. But you know, if if McLaren are genuinely front runners next season, which I don't think they necessarily will be, but you know, they could be in competition, uh, you know, in potential podium kind of positions quite often. Uh, yeah, he might be regretting that decision. But, uh, you know, anyway, um, kind of moving on, uh, I thought we, we, we kind of mentioned Espan Ocon in the qualifying uh, roundup, but, uh, you know, starting fifth on the grid, he definitely didn't look to have quite the pace of Daniel Ricciardo. Um, and as much as I enjoyed that battle, and he did say on his Twitter afterwards that he, he enjoyed it too, one, he'll be a bit worried about the fact that Ricardo was able to kind of catch him and pass him so quickly, but also the fact that Renault can't seem to get two cars to finish a race. And, you know, that is just what is holding them back and it will continue to hold them back until they can, can solve that problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's been the story of Renault for the whole V6 turbo era, right? It's just, I mean, performance is one thing and Cyril says it's there. No one believes him, but he says it's there, but the reliability definitely isn't there. And, We've seen in these first two races, basically the same problem with the overheating. First Daniel, now Esteban. And yeah, it's it, it's probably unlikely to be resolved anytime soon either, just because of sort of the breakneck pace of the season and the sort of condensed nature of the development. And also at the same time, I think Cyril said last week that uh, he wasn't expecting any more engine upgrades for the year. Uh, so that's a bit worrying <laughs> in terms of fixing this issue. Uh, especially this week in Hungary. Hungary is known to be, you know, pretty toasty at this time of year. So, yeah, there's a, there's a good chance it happens again. And no matter how good that car is, I do think it's it's definitely improved on last year. It's got some legitimate pace to it. Uh, I think it's definitely just a step behind the racing point in McLaren just based on reliability alone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they are qualified both Ferraris. And, you know, that is not something that you were saying very often last season. So I think they're definitely improved. Um, they look to be, yeah, as you said, just a tad behind the Racing Point and the McLaren. But that doesn't matter when you can only get one car to finish. And that is their problem. And, you know, they need to solve that as a matter of urgency because, you know, Fernando Alonso is going to lose his shit next season if he's been forced to retire every other race. Um, and as much as that would be fun to watch, you know, I, I also want to watch Fernando Alonso actually completing races and uh, having battles. So let's, let's hope that doesn't uh, materialise. Um, just to run through a couple of other um, battles, we kind of mentioned the, you know, that battle between, you know, Bottas and Verstappen was kind of like the ongoing narrative of the race. You know, once Hamilton got out in front, he pretty much checked out and, you know, he, he was just in control. But uh, I think some people, I feel, were impressed with Bottas, saying, you know, he, 
he managed to gain on Verstappen. He got it done when he needed to. Whereas others were like, it took way too long when he's in a, a, definitely a faster car. And even when he managed to catch up and pass Bottas, he still... Uh, sorry, even when Bottas managed to catch up and pass Verstappen, Verstappen, on way older the tyres, passes him round the outside of Turn 4 and just makes Bottas look a bit silly. Um, I personally was pretty unimpressed with him all weekend. And, you know, I think that he he was not not fort- not lucky or fortunate, but, you know, he scraped P2 when that car was clearly the best um, in race conditions. So, you know, what, what, what did you feel about Bottas' performance? Well, you know, I think this comes back to, you get to have these weekends where Lewis is completely out of this world, but then if you're Valtteri, you can't just completely fall off a cliff either. If he was, let's say, a 9 out of 10 last week, he was in my opinion, a six. And that's just not good enough if you get a winning championship. I mean, yes, Max is a fighter. He's not going to make it easier to pass you, but you want to be the best on the grid. You want to be considered worthy of the car you're driving, which everyone knows is significantly better than than the Red Bull. I think you've got to do a better job of getting past. I mean, the race was pretty much over once Lewis, as you said before, got past the first corner, but... it was Valtteri's reticence to get past Max and the difficulty he showed that, that sealed it. And you do wonder what would have happened in that situation if, say, Nico Rosberg was still on the car or going a year forward if George Russell is in the car. You know, the, the, those questions definitely aren't going away after a performance like Sunday's. See, that the thing I've got with, with Bottas is that while Mercedes are dominant, it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter if his level is, is up to scratch. But the problem is, I think that when it becomes a two or three car battle, that's when Mercedes are going to have an issue. And they've also got this problem in that Lewis Hamilton is 35 years old and could very well this season equal Schumacher's title record and break his win record. And, you know, he can't go on forever. And he can't go on forever at the level that he's performing at the moment. So they have to find this kind of succession plan and I think in, in Russell they've got someone they like but Bottas is the pressure is really on him to prove that he can be part of that succession plan and he can stay on and you know he's not going to end up at, at Haas or Williams next season because if he gets like handily beaten again that that is a genuine possibility especially if Russell is putting his Williams in P12 and Bottas is only putting a Mercedes on the second row you know that's when the the questions are going to be asked and uh, I still think that his qualifying is, is good and this was probably just a bit of an off day you know he, he isn't a brilliant driver in the rain but I think his race pace is really a worry and you just struggle to see how he's, he's going to beat Hamilton in any other any way other than just being ahead at the start um, yeah I think another interesting aspect of this battle is that Max Verstappen um, I thought Last season was quite positive. Um, yeah, he was like this first year with Honda. Um, you know, this is my team now, and he looked happy. He looked content. But after that race, he was not happy, and he was not content. And I think that he was probably sold a lot going into this season. You know, he signed a massive new deal. He was sold. Uh, Honda are going to improve, and Red Bull aren't any better than they were last year or the year before. Um, and he doesn't seem happy about it. Um, 
What do you, what do you think of, of Max's comments after the race? Well, yeah, I don't blame him because I've been writing these articles all off-season with Helmut Marco saying, oh, it's, it's, it's Max and Lewis. That's the championship. We've got the car. We're pushing for Max. You know, and then you, you can't say that ad nauseum for months on end and then turn up first two races and just not be in the same category, really. So, yeah, I'd be frustrated if I was in his position too. It's obviously... It's tricky to sort of resolve that. Um, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're Red Bull, you, I mean, you turn around and say, well, we're trying. What else can we do? Uh, I'd, I'd still take, obviously, Honda power over Renault power. So the, I guess, you know, it's an improvement in that respect. But yeah, it seems like, like everyone else now, they're going to be waiting to 2022. I mean, I will say... You know, maybe it might be a bit. We might be overacting a little bit. The Hungaro ring should suit their car a bit more than the Red Bull ring does. So maybe it's closer there. Maybe you know, Max just pulls something out of his ass, and you know, we go. Those one of those great drives where we sort of that only Max can do. So maybe there's more to come. But as of now, yeah, the frustration makes total sense for me. Yeah, uh, and yeah, he's such a talented driver. And as much as I think he can rub people the wrong way and, you know, I, I don't necessarily like his attitude, he's fantastically talented. And I think he knows that, you know, he's on a similar level to Hamilton. I think those are the only two drivers on that on that level right now. And, you know, it's both the, the fact that Albon is, isn't there to support him and therefore Bottas can just basically do whatever strategy he wants. Similar situation at last year's Hungary Grand Prix where Gasly is nowhere to be seen so Hamilton can can pull that that strategy on him so I can see why he's getting frustrated but uh, at the same time he needs to keep a lid on it because if he suddenly becomes someone who's difficult to deal with that's not going to be beneficial to Red Bull so yeah let, let, let's hope that maybe Hungary ring suits them a little bit better but we also do know that that is a track where Lewis Hamilton has won seven Grand Prix, yes, so absolutely. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Um, I guess the, the the last last thing to touch on really uh, with regards to the race was that 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 kind of uh, slightly mad ending. Uh, obviously, we've got uh, Sergio Perez trying to overtake Alex Albon fourth, which I think is bit of a, a kind of indictment of Albon considering that he's he started in the top 10 and Perez started 17th and he was going to overtake him uh, but also a, a little bit of a worry considering the fact that Albon seems to be getting in a lot of incidents and while they're not all his fault you know he's been involved a number of times with other drivers and, and crashing and things so but I guess that, that that's not kind of the main story of it the main story is that Perez suddenly slows down a huge amount and we see kind of Lando and Stroll and Ricardo all just kind of come to come together, you know, all within about ten meters on the final lap. Um, and yeah, what 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 is it about this track that seems to even when things are kind of seem to be meandering to a close, why why is it always kind of able to bring these 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 mad endings? It's a great question. Uh, makes you wonder: is there some sort of shaman in Spielberg who's cast some sort of spell on the track I don't know uh yeah but you do get these crazy endings just uh more often than you would expect uh 
and that's why it's 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 funny. I, I think a lot of the drivers, you know, obviously two races in a row at a race, you do sort of get sick of the same scenery, but at the same time, there's a lot worse tracks you could have multiple races in a row. And if, you know, something were to happen with Hungary, as has been rumoured this week, although I, I think it's sort of settled down now where the UK restrict, people, restrictions on people from the UK is sort of, the concerns have been alleviated. But like people were saying for a while there, we could have a third race in Austria and that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. Because yeah, it's 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 just a quality racetrack. Yeah, and I think I think that I'm I'm glad I'm not the biggest fan of of reverse grids, but I think that I can see why the argument was being made in this situation. And for one, I'm glad that we've seen a brilliant qualifying session. And you know, after watching that, I'd like to see someone kind of stand up and say, "Yeah, I think we should get rid of qualifying," um, because that was fantastic. And secondly, I'm just glad that this has worked out and that we've had two races on the same track. They've both been good races, but in different ways. Uh, there's been, you know, Mercedes has dominated both of them, but I don't think that that is a, a track dependent thing. I think that we, we might go to Hungara Ring and Silverstone and Mercedes will still be dominant. So, you know, if you've got, if you've got a car, which is fast in all conditions and the best engine, then like, it doesn't matter. You could go to 50 different tracks and they might still be the quickest. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that kind of played out and that we had two good races at the same track. And, uh, you know, I love this, this this circuit. I think that, you know, the, the altitude and the curbs and, you know, the long straights, DRS zones, it just, it's just a really good good track. Um, and Silverstone as well is, you know, got to be one of the, the best on the grid. So I think that, you know, maybe if I were watching them go around, go around a... A car park at Paul Ricard, or or just kind of circling around that stadium in Sochi for for two rounds in a row, we'd uh, kind of lose our minds. But at least they've chosen some decent ones uh, to do the double headers. Uh, so before we wrap up, we have uh, our predictions to go through and then to make for next weekend. Um, I think it's fair to say, Ben, that we're both a little bit conservative going into this race. Um, both of us picked a Mercedes 1-2 with Hamilton leading Bottas home and that's exactly what happened but uh, I'm afraid that I actually win on the kind of tiebreaker because I picked Verstappen for third place whereas you picked Perez uh, you weren't too far off obviously Perez finished sixth and very well could have finished fourth but uh, I'm afraid I've got to take the win on this one um, and then for our first DNF we both chose different Alfa Romeos you chose Giovinazzi I chose Raikkonen but of course it was the incredibly unlucky Sebastian Vettel after being uh, after being uh, mounted by a former Alfa Romeo driver. So neither of us uh, were very successful there. Oh, we can't we can't claim that on a technicality. Maybe maybe, maybe. I'll, I'll have to I have to speak to uh, <laughs> speak to the the, the, uh, the race stewards and uh, see if they can get us. Uh, speak to Chase Gary, <laughs> see what he can do. But of course, this means that we're going to have to make some predictions for next week at Hungary. Um, I think that we've already mentioned that Lewis Hamilton has an incredibly good record here. He won last season, uh, but he was actually, you know, an interesting thing is, you know, he was actually third on the grid. So, you know, there is history that Verstappen and Bottas may be able to to qualify ahead of him at this track. Um, but for me, I can't really see past a Hamilton win. I, are you any more hopeful? 
No, not with the way the car's going this year and now the way Lewis is going after this weekend. It just doesn't make sense to pick anyone else. So you got a Hamilton win, but uh, are you going to make any more surprises on the rest of the podium? Yeah, you know what? I'm feeling frisky again. And I just don't like being boring and saying it's going to be Bottas Verstappen. So I'm going to say Max 2 and Carlos Sainz 3rd. How about that? That is that is much better. Much better. Um, I think I'm going to kind of take a leaf out of your book. Um, and I'm actually going to say Verstappen is going to win. I think that the Red Bull, they're going to be really despondent after what happened this weekend. I think they're going to put a huge amount into getting Verstappen a win early on to kind of uh, yeah, make him feel a little bit more confident in the project. So I'm going to go Verstappen for the win. Hamilton second. I think I'm going to go for an outsider to get on the podium as well. Um, I think I'm going to say... Oh, it's difficult. I think I'm going to... George Russell. No. Surely. <laughs> no, not quite. I think I'm going to go Sergio Perez. <laughs> I think that that racing point, you know, if they can just put together a proper qualifying performance, it looks like a really strong car. Yeah, Mercedes. Yeah, you know, Mercedes qualified uh, two and three here last year. They're driving that car. Ferrari seems to have gone, got slower. Red Bull aren't that much better. So I think that Racing Point will be disappointed not to have got a kind of real, a real like kind of highlight result. Like, yeah, this is this is us. We're here. We're we're a real force to be reckoned with. And I think maybe they'll just have to wait until Hungary because that is a good car and they've got a good driver in Sergio. It Perez. does seem to be coming, doesn't? Yeah. It? At some point, sooner or rather. So I've got Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez. Um, first DNF. Um, just we both just put in uh, Vettel now, and you know, seeing that Charles is going <laughs> to ram into him again, or you know, who are you going for for there? If Ferrari. Yeah. I mean, some part of me it actually fears that it might be Vettel again, just because that's the way things are going. But I think I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Esteban Ocon. That's, that's yeah, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb there. I'm saying he's going to, the bad luck's going to continue for him too. He's going to try some sort of crazy move at turn one and it's not going to pay off for him. So it's not going to be his car letting him down. It's just going to be the frustration that, that gets... Well, he won't have time for the car to let him down. He'll uh, end it before that can okay. happen. I mean, if he, you know, if he stayed in the race, he'll have it anyway, <laughs> but he'll uh, okay. get out of there early. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go for Lando Norris. Uh, pretty mean, I know. Oh. I, I I just feel like we've got to remember that that McLaren is still using a Renault engine and things have gone so perfectly for him. He's had so much... Excellent He's, he's been driving so well. He's had, he's had his fair share of luck and unfortunately, I think that's all going to come to an end this weekend. Not to say that he won't have a great season anyway, but I think that engine is going to blow up and poor Orlando is going to take the first DNF. So, yeah, I'm going with Lando Norris. Uh pretty harsh but yeah nonetheless um, I think that's the way it's going to gonna go uh, before we do wrap up though Ben just some general thoughts on the Hungari ring um, this is a circuit I think that sometimes gets painted as being boring but actually for me it's, it's probably one of my favourites I think it kind of always just produces good Motor races, it's not impossible to overtake there. Um, there's some interesting corners. It's really technical, difficult for the drivers. It's a real challenge. You can sometimes get some interesting weather. You know, usually uh, great fan support. So, yeah, I, I, I like it as a circuit. And uh, 
I'm looking forward to to the race. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you like? Is it is it one you like, or are you kind of in that camp of people who maybe think it's a little bit boring and not suited to modern F1 cars? Well, I guess I'm a bit biased because I like it just because of Daniel Ricciardo's win there. Uh, I think it was 2014 where he uh, passed just about the whole damn field to win that race. Uh, and you know we've obviously seen some other crackers in years since. So yeah, I, I definitely like you. I don't think it's sort of what it doesn't deserve the bad rap it's got i mean you can see just looking at it it does sort of look like it would be sort of the track that's not going to be conducive to great racing but you know we've seen as i said we've seen and you said that proved wrong over the years and yeah i think there's every chance especially if what if what happens out front that we expect to happen mercedes rolls that can happen but the midfield could be an absolute cracker and i think that alone will make it very much worth watching Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, with the races coming thick and fast, unfortunately, we won't have time to kind of do a full preview for it. But uh, I think that it's a it's an exciting one to look forward to. And I, for one, you know, I'm definitely not fed up with Formula One yet. Maybe after this race, we'll we'll be looking forward to a week's break. But you know, I've got my my Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, filled with great action on track to watch. Um, Ben, thank you very much for joining me once again. And uh, yeah, if you want to look at the work that me, uh, Ben, and the rest of the uh, Grand Prix 24-7 team get up to on the website, it's uh, grandprix247.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at grandprix247. Um, we're going to be putting our episodes up on YouTube from now on and maybe some additional YouTube content to come as well. Uh, who knows as the season continues. But once again, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.